welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we explored the connection between clutter and feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, and depression. My annual February clear is underway, and so far I have almost an entire truckload of donations ready to go. With each day's donatables, I feel a little better. It has been especially exciting to let go of things I used to need and no longer do that are closely connected to my MS and my healing over time. For example, on Sunday, February 19th, I got rid of 19 sundresses. These dresses were all I could comfortably wear for several years after my MS diagnosis because my skin was incredibly sensitive and I was constantly overheating. I saved a couple of my favorites that I might still wear one day, but the rest of them are off to a new home. Letting them go is a powerful reminder that our current health condition can change. If any listeners have joined me on this clearing adventure this month, I'd love to hear about it. A quick announcement before we move on for anyone interested in taking Dr. Susan's 12-day detox course. It starts on March 18th, and there are still podcast discount codes available. Use Misunderstood 100 for completely free access. And if you find those have all been used, use Misunderstood 50 to access the course at 50% off her already very low prices. You can learn more or sign up at truemedicinems.com. In this episode today, we're going to take a deep dive into the metaphysical manifestations of MS. For our gratitude portion for this episode, I'd like to thank the current cohort of folks living with MS who are going through the PQ, Positive Intelligence, Mental Fitness Program together right now. Every time another group goes through the program, I learn so much from each participant. It's exciting to watch our PQ muscles grow, to see evidence of us all dismantling our judge and accomplice saboteurs, and soon the current group will begin to learn how to shift into the sage perspective. Neuroplasticity in action. The way in which everyone is sharing vulnerably is quite powerful, and I can't wait to see how transformative the experience is for everyone at the end of our eight weeks together. If you'd like to learn more about PQ, check out episode 69. On our Patreon page, there's an interest survey for anyone interested in joining a future cohort. The next cohort will likely begin in April, and there are still spots available. 
While I'm not sure how long I'll be able to afford PQ Coach access for our community, I'm dedicated to offering this eight-week app-guided mental fitness program at least a few more times this calendar year for anyone living with MS that is interested. Okay, let's dive into the metaphysical manifestation of MS. First, what is metaphysical anyways? Metaphysical is defined as relating to the mind and typically the areas of our mind outside of human sensory perception. We might also think of metaphysical as abstract, mystical, philosophical, or spiritual in nature. Simply put, metaphysics is a type of philosophy or study that uses broad concepts to help us define reality and our understanding of it. So, what does this have to do with MS? And why am I even bothering to share this topic today? Well, this topic is one I've been marinating on for some time. At first, I must admit I was struggling to see and believe some of what the research was saying. And while there are still some aspects I'm chewing on and trying on for size to see if they fit, the time is right to share what I'm researching with you so that you can have access to these beliefs and see if they might help illuminate some things for you in the same way too. As longtime listeners know, the past two or three years of my researching life has been largely dedicated to neuroplasticity, thought hygiene, and changing destructive thought pathways into healthier ones. We've explored this through writing to heal journaling prompts, the Gupta program, deep listening, the body keeps the score, feelings buried alive never die, a lot of the work I did the past few years with a talented coach through the Anxiety Center, and more recently, this past year, the Positive Intelligence, or PQ, mental fitness program. There are episodes on each of these avenues if learning more about any of them in particular interests you. What has led me to wanting to share one particular resource with you all today, rather than a compilation of all the research I've done on the topic, is that I recently discovered an article, which I'll post on our Patreon page, Visible to All, that compiled information from numerous experts that I have read over the years and whom I have come to deeply trust, since their avenues for healing have helped me drastically move the needle of my own health to a better place. Reading their collective message has been very insightful for me, and I'm hoping that you experience the same today. A quick word of caution as we go. You might listen and immediately gravitate toward the author's message. You might, however, be like me and be very slow to warm with these concepts. If the latter is true for you, I encourage you to revisit the article at some point in the future and see if there's any shift in your thinking. The more I've opened myself up to the possibilities, the more it has helped me, and I hope the same will be true for you. The article I'm about to share is a blog called Raven Star's Healing Rooms Blog. A little about the blog author before we begin. In their bio, they share that they were introduced to alternative healing in 1995 began their own healing journey with Reiki and explorations into Chinese medicine and energy balancing modalities. The author writes, quote, each of us are ultimately responsible for our own healing. Spiritual development is about learning to treat the whole self with love, respect, and attention. It means giving the body the things it needs to be healthy. The author also writes, quote, 
one of the greatest tools that continually helps me on my journey is astrology. It helps us finally understand ourselves and move towards a higher level of understanding. When this happens, the healing process begins. This particular well-researched blog entry was written in 2019 and is entitled Metaphysical Causes of Multiple Cirrhosis, an introduction to the metaphysical cause of autoimmune disease. It contains many expert voices that the author brilliantly wove into a cohesive piece. And I want to share up front a little about some of these experts so you understand what a powerful compilation of knowledge this one article contains. You'll hear the wisdom of Rita Baron-Faust of The Autoimmune Connection, Louise Hay, author of books like Heal Your Body, The Mental Causes for Physical Illness and the Metaphysical Way to Overcome Them, You Can Heal Your Life, The Power Is Within You, and many more. You'll also hear from Dr. Judith Orloff, author of Intuitive Healing, Five Steps to Physical, Emotional, and Sexual Wellness. Positive Energy, 10 Extraordinary Prescriptions for Transforming Fatigue, Stress, and Fear into Vibrance, Strength, and Love, and many more. Peter A. Levine, author of Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma, In an Unspoken Voice, How the Body Releases Trauma and Restores Goodness, Trauma Through a Child's Eyes, Awakening the Ordinary Miracle of Healing, and more. You'll also hear from Byron Katie, author of A Mind at Home with Itself, how asking four questions can free your mind, open your heart, and turn your world around. A Thousand Names for Joy, Living in Harmony with the Way Things Are. Who Would You Be Without Your Story? And many more. We'll also hear from Carla McLaren, author of Embracing Anxiety, How to Access the Genius of This Vital Emotion. The Language of Emotions, What Your Feelings Are Trying to Tell You, and more. Jesse A. Stoff, MD, Leading Expert on Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Burton Goldberg, author of The Alternative Medicine Guide and numerous highly acclaimed books on chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, and other autoimmune conditions. Debbie Shapiro, author of The Body-Mind Workbook, exploring how the mind and the body work together. Your body speaks your mind, how your thoughts and emotions affect your health, and many more. Amy B. Scher, author of How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can, a total self-healing approach for mind, body, and spirit. Inna Segal, author of The Secret Language of Your Body, The Essential Guide to Health and Wellness. And Linda Page, author of Detoxification, Programs to Cleanse, Purify, and Renew, Cooking for Healthy Healing, and more. I really appreciate how this article also includes two helpful case studies of people living with MS as exemplars of metaphysical MS manifestation. I'll read the article now. My hope is that you listen with an open heart and mind and are drawn to the messages that resonate most and will yield the greatest steps forward in your own personal healing journey. Metaphysical Causes of Multiple Cirrhosis The article starts off with a quote from Rita Baron-Faust of The Autoimmune Connection. 
If you can imagine an electrical cord with insulation that's frayed and worn away in places, causing a short in the wire and then shorting out the electrical system, then you can visualize multiple sclerosis. Before we start unraveling the emotional causes of MS, I'd like to look at Louise Hay's perception of this disease, which she describes as mental hardness, hard-heartedness, iron will, inflexibility. The many people I've communicated with who have MS or inquired about it were taken aback when they read Louise Hay's description. They were hurt and upset at what she was implying. I'm not even sure if I totally understand her metaphysical reason for MS, but I'd like to try. The people I know with MS are highly emotionally sensitive, empaths. As a result of being so open, stressful situations and people can override their nervous system, causing them to feel overwhelmed and exhausted. Judith Orloff says, quote, Empaths are naturally giving, spiritually attuned, and good listeners. If you want heart, empaths have got it. Through thick and thin, they're there for you, world-class nurturers. Before I continue reading the article, I'd also like to share what Carol K. Truman, author of Feelings Buried Alive Never Die Reference Guide, says about MS. In their resource, they say, for multiple cirrhosis, there's an unwillingness to be flexible, unreceptiveness to new ideas, hard on self, blames self, incorrect use of will, unforgiving of self or others. I share this so you know that there are multiple experts across many different resources that share this feeling about MS. Back to the article. The author continues, I've worked with some individuals who counteract their sensitivity by developing a false persona. They appear courageous or overconfident and in control on the outside, which means they're holding back or numbing their true essence inside. They've disowned parts of themselves that they believe others, like friends, colleagues, partners, and intimate relationships, will see them as weak and needy. This form of false extrovert can create mental hardness, hard-heartedness, iron will, inflexibility, which actually conflicts with their inner anxiety, insecurity, and self-doubt. Flexible people believe in change, both in themselves and in others. The rigid person, on the other hand, is fearful of any kind of change. As things keep changing around them, they become more fearful and insecure. Inflexibility creates rigid people who are generally sensitive and nurturing, but also fearful. A fearful person becomes more rigid as he or she hides their true identity through life. This creates, as mentioned before, an artificial extrovert who finds themselves swinging between impulsiveness and rigidity. The more fearful a person becomes, the more rigid he or she moves through life. This form of control is a result of insecurity and anxiety, creating tension and hesitancy, which may show in their speech. 
Even when anxiety is intense, they may give the impression that they're in control and to others appear normal. But inside, they're a mess. Rigidity has been described as a static, stiff, and strained position, self-depreciating, that interferes with the body's natural sway and limits the body's ability to move at its joints, which link the bones together. Healthy, well-coordinated muscles receive and respond to a multitude of signals from the nervous system, which help them to move in a balanced way. But when the muscles are overused, misused, abused, disused, diseased, or trauma-inflicted, the smooth interaction between the nervous, circulatory, and musculoskeletal systems is disturbed. Movement becomes difficult, restricted, painful, and sometimes impossible. These dysfunctional patterns affect the nerve fibers that are surrounded by a layer of insulation called the myelin sheaths. As the author commented to an inquirer in the about section of this blog, quote, nerve signals cannot travel normally when the myelin sheaths break down. This causes the nerves to become inflamed. The more inflamed the nerves become, the more they begin to fail short-circuiting the electrical flow, thus causing nerve inflammation. Damage to the brain and spinal cord is scattered throughout the central nervous system, causing sclerosis, which means scarring. Normally, and through time, the myelin has the ability to repair itself, remyelination. But with MS, the nervous system is continually and rapidly short-circuiting, not allowing the body's natural healing abilities to catch up so healing can actually take place. Movements of the body may become impossible to control because the messages from the brain to the muscles fail to get through. Because each person experiences different patterns of scarring, no two people with MS have exactly the same symptoms. Peter A. Levine from Waking the Tiger writes, When our nervous systems shift into an aroused state in response to danger and we cannot defend ourselves or flee, the next strategy the nervous system employs is immobilization. Nearly every creature that lives has this primitive response wired into its repertoire. Psychological scars from trauma are reversible, but only if we listen to the voices of our body. Byron Katie says, quote, Who would you be without the thought that you need to make an impression? How do you react when you believe the thought that you can find love and approval by making yourself more likable? If the person you are doesn't seem to be attracting enough interest, it seems natural to make some changes, to modify your appearance and your personality until you hit the right combination and become more appealing. Most people begin with the physical, trying out dozens of variations of outfits, hairdos, makeup, diets, walks, and facial expressions. This progress to figuring out when to smile, when to make eye contact, when to laugh, when to talk, when to keep quiet, and what opinions to have. A built-in part of developing a personality that's designed to please is constantly watching for signs that you are succeeding. This can be a very stressful way to live. 
Anxiously focusing on the other person, checking for approval or disapproval, leaves nobody at home in yourself, nobody noticing your thoughts or taking responsibility for your feelings. This cuts you off from the source of real contentment. The outward focus also leaves unnoticed and unquestioned the inevitably painful thought that if you have to transform yourself to find love and approval, there must be something wrong with the way you are. Thank you for those words, Byron Katie. Case studies. One of the case studies I'll be doing in this metaphysical article on MS is Paul, not his real name, a young man of 31 years who was diagnosed with MS at 27 years old. As a child, Paul lived in terror of his father. He often saw the atmosphere in his home to be intensely emotional. He wanted to either run away or fight back, yell, scream, and throw things. But instead, he fought to keep it all inside. He was afraid his intense emotions may anger his father. With his mom, he saw her as weak and powerless. This caused him to ignore his inner feminine qualities and create a false persona that appeared logical, analytical, and cold, mental hardness. It was his means to gain worldly power and success. Looking at Paul's astrological natal chart and sharing and communicating with him, it seems his alcoholic father displayed wide mood swings that frightened him, keeping him and his mother and siblings in a state of constant fear. At times, when Paul's dad came home drunk, he beat up on the children to vent his frustrations. Feeling powerless toward authoritative people, Paul reacted, and is still reacting, with fear, suspicion, and a lack of trust. Defensiveness and rigidness harden into our character to protect us, especially when we feel threatened by others. When this defense mechanism is alerted, we either pull back or crawl into our shells at the first sign of trouble, or we rapidly boil with rage. Autoimmune and chronic disorders can become a crutch to hide behind when painful and difficult situations arise that you don't want or don't know how to meet head on. Being in constant fear can take away our strength and immunity. It deteriorates bones, delays the mending of fractures, weakens the lower back, and in extreme cases, causes paralysis. In The Language of Emotions by Carla McLaren, she writes, Most of us learn by the age of four or five to hide, squelch, or camouflage our emotions in social situations. We catch on very quickly to the fact that most people are inauthentic with one another. They lie about their feelings, leave important words unsaid, and trample unheedingly over each other's obvious emotional cues. Learning to speak is often a process of learning not to speak the truth and attaining an uncanny level of pretense in most relationships. Every culture and subculture has a different set of unspoken rules about emotions, but all of them require that specific emotions be camouflaged, overused, or ignored. Most children and empaths eventually learn to shut down on their empathetic abilities in order to pilot their way through the social world. Back to Paul. 
Paul did learn to shut down his feelings. He pictured himself as a go-getter, full of physical daring and courage. He told himself, be strong, be forceful, be independent, be brave, be powerful. Inside, he felt scared and insecure, but hid it by building an armor of steel around himself. He kept moving in order to maintain his balance, but the effort required so much attention he didn't notice when he went speeding off the track. He was thrown off the football team at college and lost many a job because of this. It became hard for him to remain calm because everything stimulated him. Nervousness and excitability were the price he paid for nonstop excitement. But it all came to a halt when he started waking up exhausted and felt out of sorts, even though he'd had a good night's sleep. When his vision started affecting him, he thought it was from his fatigue. He took supplements known to energize the body, but he only became more lethargic. When he started suffering tremors, he knew something wasn't right, but was too afraid to see his doctor. Tremors are a common symptom of MS, experienced by around three-quarters of people with the condition, and one that often makes sufferers feel quite self-conscious. For most, the tremors will be mild and occur infrequently, but for some, they can be more severe. Along with the tremors, Paul started experiencing tingling in his legs and feet. His headaches were more frequent, and he suffered pain in his abdominal area and bowel problems. Frightened, he turned to a good friend who advised him to seek medical help and gave him the address of an excellent clinic. We'll explore this in detail later. Arlene, also not her real name, age 44, also lives with MS. She too, like Paul, is deeply sensitive and intensely emotional. What differs between Arlene and Paul is that Arlene was naturally born with a competitive spirit, where Paul changed his persona to forget his troubled past. Arlene's parents loved her for her achievements, not for the person she was. This caused her to disconnect from her inner self and her own emotions to focus intently on being recognized as a high achiever. Arlene worked hard to get A's in school and kept herself busy with swimming, dance, and gymnastics. No matter what she did, the love she craved for was never there. Deep inside, she struggled with pent-up rage and hostility. Arlene hated the constant go, go, go. She just didn't know how to stop. Her nerves were frazzled from turning herself inside out to win the love and approval of her parents and teachers. She often skipped meals, even though she was doing strenuous physical work. Her body became undernourished and she stressed about money. This further depleted her system. Too much adrenaline and cortisol ran amuck in her blood, causing a tremendous drain on her immune system and physical body. She developed an array of allergies and physical stresses, including intestinal cramps, memory loss, sleep deprivation, and depression. With all of this going on, Arlene developed mononucleus at the age of 21. Her blood tests showed low levels of vitamin D, hypothyroidism, and she tested positive for the Epstein-Barr virus, EBV. 
Epstein-Barr virus is a herpes-like virus thought to be the cause of mononucleosis and Burkitt's lymphoma. It is contracted through the cells in the lining of the mouth and throat, which means it can be easily shared by sharing utensils, kissing, and unsanitary habits. EBV symptoms are known to duplicate other conditions, including debilitating fatigue, fever, swollen glands, arthritic symptoms, multiple allergies, and difficulties concentrating. As the immune system deteriorates, many people with EBV get strep throat, tonsillitis, and chronic sore throats. Author Jesse A. Stoff, MD, and Charles R. Pellegrino from Chronic Fatigue Syndrome write, EBV is a highly specialized parasite. It seems to strike humans exclusively, and its focus is the antibody-producing B cells of the immune system. B cells amplify the immune response. It is as if the very cells with the task of destroying viruses entice the Epstein-Barr virus. As B cells carrying the viral genome begin manufacturing virus particles, the T lymphocytes try to stem the rising tide of non-self by secreting alpha interferon and suppressing the B cell hosts. This is at best a questionable tactic, for it effectively weakens an already damaged immune system. Part 2 Burton Goldberg from the Alternative Medicine Guide writes, quote, Illness is more than a matter of imbalanced physiology. There are always psychological and emotional aspects to every health problem, and unless these are thoroughly addressed, no cure, from no matter how holistic or alternative a source, will ever be complete and lasting. What is MS? Trying to explain MS to friends and family can be frustrating because MS is known as an invisible disability or a hidden wound that others cannot see. So even though pain, poor sleep, fatigue, depression, and other symptoms stop you from doing what you want or need to do, the outside world sees you as perfectly healthy. Unfortunately, looking good on the outside and feeling awful on the inside can sometimes cause others, including your doctor, to overlook the impact of MS on your life. However, as this disease progresses, it attacks your brain, spine, and eyes, causing problems with your balance, muscle control, vision, and other bodily functions. The optic nerves, optic neuritis, and parts of the brain that control eye movement can be affected by MS, causing blurred or hazy vision, and sometimes temporary blindness. Occasionally, pain around the eyes will happen before the eyes are affected, sometimes within an hour or even up to a couple of days. The MayoClinic.org writes, Optic neuritis is linked to multiple cirrhosis, a disease that causes inflammation and damage to nerves in your brain and spinal cord. Signs and symptoms of optic neuritis can be the first indication of MS, or they can occur later in the course of MS. Besides MS, optic neuritis can occur with other infections or immune diseases, such as lupus. MS affects both the immune system and the nervous system of the body. 
the immune or lymphatic system, is composed of white blood cells that move rapidly and specifically through the bloodstream, protecting the body from attack by bacteria, viruses, and cancers. MS is an autoimmune condition in which an overactive immune system attacks the myelin sheath that surrounds the nerves in the central nervous system. This flux of energy is called demyelination and causes disrupting signals between the brain and the body, similar to an exposed electrical wire. MS can be really frustrating because the symptoms are often unpredictable, sometimes flaring up for no particular reason and always at inconvenient times. A large variety of symptoms may include blurred or temporary lost vision, spasticity of muscles, loss of sensation, incontinence, loss of balance, extreme fatigue, and memory problems. Eventually, the myelin sheath repairs itself, but often scarring remains, sclerosis, which continues to impair the function of the central nervous system. When there are multiple scars, it's known as multiple sclerosis. The lymphatic system is like a sewage system for toxins in the body. The primary function of the lymphatic system is to transport lymph, a clear, colorless fluid containing white blood cells that helps rid the body of toxins, cellular waste, and other unwanted materials. Emotions contain patterns of memories that are stored in the body. Anxieties, worries, and fears can make us feel trapped in a situation. The stomach area can become inflamed, along with the duodenum and colon. Linda Page from Detoxification Programs to Cleanse, Purify, and Renew writes, The valves of the lymph system move the waste-filled fluids to be flushed and filtered. But since there is no pump as there is with the heart, lymph circulation depends solely upon our breathing and muscle movement. Physical exercise and diaphragmatic deep breathing are critical to lymph cleansing and to a healthy immune response. Deep abdominal breathing and exercise are all ways to support our lymphatic circulation. Every time we contract a muscle, the muscle rubs against numerous lymph vessels, stimulating them to contract. This is another reason exercise is so good for us. Debbie Shapiro from the Body Mind Workbook writes, The lymph glands are a part of our immune system as they purify the blood, keeping it healthy and strong. They also clean up garbage in the body, such as dead cells in the blood, for removal. Their relationship to the blood implies that the lymph glands are intimately connected to keeping us in an even emotional state, constantly purifying our emotions. Swollen glands or blocked lymph nodes can therefore imply an emotional blocking or a denial of emotions, leaving us unprotected and vulnerable to invading poisons or to the effect of poisonous feelings. In regard to the immune system, a large percentage, about 80%, is located in the gut. So the foods you eat do have an impact on either strengthening or weakening your immune system. If you have an autoimmune disease, you may have a gut imbalance known as small intestine bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, which can lead to leaky gut. 
When leaky gut is present and the liver is overstressed, the door is open for toxins to reach the brain via the bloodstream. When inflammation in the brain gets out of control, you might notice yourself feeling exhausted, forgetting things, feeling confused, and unable to formulate words in a sentence. From Nutrition House, Glutamine and Leaky Gut, they write, The gut's function is to absorb and break down food nutrients for assimilation. It also functions to keep harmful things from leaking into the bloodstream where they can cause harm. Imagine a barrier or wall between the gut that resembles a net called the intestinal gut barrier. When there are abnormalities in this intestinal barrier, the permeability of your net increases, meaning the holes in your net get bigger. So things that normally can't pass through this net into your bloodstream are now able to, causing a negative immune reaction. These things include undigested proteins like gluten, bad bacteria, undigested food particles, and toxic waste. The newly introduced particles can cause health issues such as food sensitivity, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, autoimmune diseases, chronic fatigue syndrome, inflammatory chronic diseases, thyroid problems, and even skin conditions. This new permeability called leaky gut syndrome can be caused by an unhealthy diet, low fiber, high saturated fats, sugars, and alcohol, overconsumption of lectins, which are proteins found in unsprouted grains, chronic stress, imbalances in the good and bad gut bacteria, fungal and bacterial infections, long-term use of conventional NSAIDs, and stomach acid-suppressing drugs. About our central nervous system. An excited nervous system forces your body to produce an excess of the stimulating and stress-producing hormones adrenaline and cortisol to prepare your body for fight or flight. The adrenals release cortisol in preparation to heal damaged tissue and stimulate your immune system, but too much adrenaline and cortisol can raise your stress levels even higher. Cortisol has a huge impact on the liver, which has an important role in regulating blood sugars and removing toxic substances from your bloodstream. If the liver can't function at its best, it gets weary and tired. Not only is it the breeding ground for negative thoughts and feelings, it physically affects the blood, the immune system, and your ability to fight infections. Deb Shapiro from the Mind Body Workbook writes, the functioning of the liver is very involved in addiction behavior, whether the addiction be to food, alcohol, or drugs, as it is the liver that removes toxins from the blood and deals with the excess fat and sugar intake. The emotional tension that gives rise to the need for release through an addiction is felt here, as this tension may be based on anger and resentment towards the world or towards specific individuals. Often, the toxins are ingested through the addiction as a way of hiding from those toxins already in our system. Hate, frustration, rage, incompetence, self-dislike, hurt, greed, and a need for power. 
By taking in external toxins, we do not have to admit to or face up to what is already inside us. The liver is closely connected to the third chakra, that which focuses on power and self-identity. By transforming these qualities, we are able to rise above them to the highest levels. But it can be just as easy to become a victim of these energies as it can be difficult to transform them. The liver then reflects the anger and confusion experienced in trying to find ourselves and our purpose. The constant release of the stress hormones adrenaline and cortisol can sear the body in a way that is similar to acid searing metal. Even hours after the output of these chemicals, they still remain high in the body, elevating blood sugar levels, causing damage to the immune system, decalcifying our bones, and thinning our skin. Long-term emotional stress can reach chronic levels with the production of these hormones. This is when toxic emotions become deadly emotions. This powerful, ongoing infusion of chemicals injures tissues and organs, resulting in many different autoimmune diseases. The predominant emotions of the nervous system is fear and or anxiety, which can constantly keep us in the fight-flight-freeze response. For example, you may feel restless, unable to sit still or be at peace, feeling hot during the day or sweating at night, reckless or lack of fear, lack of ambition or purpose, lack of drive or lack of will, low libido, inability to maintain an erection or reach an orgasm, feeling cold and exhausted, fear of making any move because it could be the wrong move, feeling powerless, overrun by the will of others, frequent or urgent bladder problems, incontinence, holding in guarded secrets, money problems, premature aging, weak bones, bad teeth. Amy B. Scher of How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can writes, Immune system. This system is in charge of keeping you safe, keeping foreign invaders out. Symptoms that show up in the immune system are often linked to defensiveness and protection. Do you feel angry and defensive? Do you feel vulnerable and defenseless? What or whom do you feel like you need protection against? Others or maybe even yourself? Or do you feel like you have no protection at all? The immune system is your protector. If you feel unsafe being vulnerable, have no way to protect yourself, or feel defensive all the time, it can wreak havoc on this system. At this point, the author revisits their case studies. Revisiting case study number one, Paul. Looking at his astrological natal chart, Paul is extremely sensitive emotionally, but he's careful not to show it. Instead, he presents a solid facade to the outer world, giving the impression that he's quite cool and even invulnerable. I feel I have always worn a mask around people. I pretend too much what causes me anxieties about myself and the world around me. I never asked of anything from others, yet I constantly bend over backwards to please the people around me. The image of Paul's words showed me was of him being an emotional pincushion to others. He was misusing his personal power for others. 
Paul did not feel safe in his home or with his family. Because of his unstable home life, Paul was never able to enjoy a carefree childhood. He repressed his youthful spontaneity and lowered his expectations because of his father's drunken stupor. As an adult, Paul had trouble with relationships due to a resistance of becoming too emotionally involved with someone, but he also had a huge fear of being rejected. Ina Segal, author of The Secret Language of Your Body, The Essential Guide to Health and Wellness, writes, Rejection. Feelings of rejection can stay with a person for many years, to the detriment of their relationships and well-being. Often people take rejection personally, thinking that they are not good enough, that there is something wrong with them. So instead of going forward and changing, they give up, close down, and feel sorry for themselves. Fear of trusting, opening up, or getting too close to people can also occur when a person has experienced extreme rejection. Most people fear rejection, and as a result, many fail to pursue their dreams and enjoy life. Feelings of rejection contribute to many diseases and dysfunctions, such as anorexia, arthritis, MS, endometriosis, paralysis, numbness, cold sores, frigidity. Such feelings can also create breakdowns, stress, nervous anxiety, and tension. We all want to feel safe, protected, and cared for. It's a place where we truly belong. But as a child, Paul suffered betrayal and a lack of trust and security. He also suffered rejection. The thought of being rejected crippled him. In Paul's chart, it showed he was born with a strong emotional hunger and need for security. His mother, who had her own problems, couldn't fulfill Paul's need for security. He interpreted her reaction as rejection and in turn rejected her when she wanted to be warm. I explained to Paul that he was very difficult to approach when hurt and has a tendency to emotionally withdraw for long periods of time. He wrote back and said it was true. Unknown to Paul, his severely limited childhood, although long past, has been intensifying his loss of confidence and inner conflict. What's happening here is not just the lack of support from his parents, it's also his own feelings of self-rejection and guilt because of his mixed emotions toward his family. Paul was under a lot of anxiety, which he kept to himself. As noted earlier, he created a false persona around others so as to not rock the boat. And this was the image given to me during his distance healing. Paul in an unsteady boat in stormy seas. He was so afraid of making mistakes or being misunderstood, he'd created his own form of self-paralysis. He literally took on jobs he loathed so that others would thank and appreciate him. Paul was doing things to be loved instead of doing what he loved. Deep within, he felt so inadequate about who he was, he didn't have a clue about his life's purpose. Paul's Distant Healing Truth can be hard to find when it's been hidden from us during our early childhood development. Reiki is a healing energy where the healer acts as a catalyst for your healing. In other words, I, the Reiki practitioner, do not heal you, you do. 
Reiki allows your body to relax, allowing the healing process to start. The distant healing is complete when your body tells me it has amassed enough energy to start the healing process. How you heal depends on you. With Reiki and distant healing Reiki, we are moving to a deeper region of the inner self, becoming aware of the symbolic messages of your body from within. Here, we are trying to understand what your illness looks and feels like symbolically. We are listening to the messages of your body. This is only a portion of Paul's healing, as the bulk of his distant healing was confidential. It offered him a different perspective of his upbringing and newfound wisdom, inspiration, and guidance of his spiritual purpose in this lifetime. Your body serves as a barometer created from the inner communication of your trillions of cells. This means your body helps show you how you look at life and how this affects you inwardly. Changing your programming starts by shifting your perspective. Just one tiny attitude can turn your world around. In regard to Paul's battle with MS, it's forcing him to slow down as to change his direction in life and realign his goals on a more spiritual basis. It's very possible that Paul is on a new path, which is challenging him to heal his deep-seated fears of failure and success. It's important that he works through his emotions so that he can clearly assess his future in the light of his true purpose. Scanning the energy body. Scanning a person's body before the distant healing helps to determine where Reiki energy is most needed. Physically or remotely, the scan works on the person's energetic field, where it's possible to sense imbalances before they manifest physically. Remotely, I visualize myself standing alongside your energy body. Visually, I note if there are any areas around your field that look dark or muddy. I also look for any energy leaks or holes in your aura. Then, with my hands two or three inches above your subtle energy, they move slowly along the length of your energy body from head to foot. I pay close attention to the sensations in my hands as they gently move over your body. I note if I feel tingling or prickling in a particular area. I also notice if your etheric body is giving off heat or feels cold, the latter usually indicating an emotional energetic block. When I connected with Paul's energy, I was shown how hard he worked and the high standards he always wanted to achieve, security and recognition. In fact, he measured his level of self worth with the quality of the work he did. This created a lot of pressure in his system, especially chronic tension held in his solar plexus, which houses our stomach, spleen meridian, liver, and gallbladder meridian. When these organs and their meridians are out of balance, we can experience so much anger and frustration, we cannot rest or relax. Hence the image of Paul in an unsteady boat in stormy seas about the liver gallbladder meridian. When we are frustrated and angered unconsciously, our fascia stiffens and our meridians kink up like a garden hose, obstructing the free flow of chi. When this happens, our brain becomes jumbled and we cannot think clearly. Anxiety and stress cause an increase in Paul's output of adrenaline, epinephrine, affecting his bladder, kidney, and liver, 
gallbladder, meridian, increasing muscle tension, and feelings of fatigue. When imbalanced, the liver can affect our self-esteem and cause doubt and uncertainty about our life, and even lead us more to the past than to the future. When the liver meridian is blocked, we are usually clinging to something that is no longer good for us. It also has to do with excess bile or bitter emotions entering our blood. The liver meridian can cause pain in the muscles around the ribs, neck, and shoulder pain, side of leg, knee, outer ankle, and sciatica. Anger is a natural catalyst, and you can use it to propel yourself into action. In its healthy, active state, the liver loves to move and be active and welcomes any catalysts to keep it in motion. As the distant Reiki flowed in this area, I asked Paul to start noticing when something or someone caused him much anger. If he felt the anger rising within him, to watch it closely, observe it, instead of feeling it and reacting to it. Note what you see. Give thanks to your anger as it's a call to action to your deepest path. Once your anger has expressed itself, let its remnants be swept away and let yourself fall into the comfort of your breath. Feel enveloped in a sense of trust and lightness and balance. Allow your liver to be renewed and refreshed. The Kidney and Bladder Meridian the kidneys and their meridian are connected to the adrenal glands and to adrenaline, which is released when we experience critical and stressful moments, the fight-or-flight syndrome. This is why the kidneys are associated with fear, fear of relationships, fear of negative expressions, and fear of self-survival. Fear and the bladder. Paul's energy had been stagnated from fear, which was also accompanied with internal panic, anxiety, and raciness. Many times he had frozen in fear, imagining himself alone, isolated, beyond help, and facing an unknown future. Fearing the worst and avoiding these fears, a go-go-go mentality, working hard, drinking lots of caffeine, sugar, all cause our adrenaline to rise. Coffee and sugar don't give us energy. Instead, they squeeze the stored chi reserves in the kidneys to fuel your body and mind. When we use stimulants for energy, we're effectively squeezing the reserves in the kidneys that we may need for a long and balanced life. During the healing, distant healing, I remotely placed my hands on Paul's solar plexus, and together we connected peacefully and quietly for a couple of minutes, absorbing the silence and the peace. His consciousness flowed with the steady beat after beat, tuning in even deeper to his personal rhythm, bringing energy to his heart. After the distant healing, Paul wrote he felt a newfound balance and the release of the overdrive feelings he'd been having. I warned him not to overexert himself and to just relax and allow the distant healing Reiki to integrate within his bodily system. Remotely, we moved our attention to the mid-back area near Paul's kidneys and saw a warm, bright red cloud of energy swirling around and in this area. His adrenals hungrily drank this red energy, as though they'd been thirsty for a long time. This energy has the vibrational area of a warrior or fighting spirit, and are always available when Paul needs them. 
All the kidney asked in return was that when Paul needs them, to give out only what he needs. Relaxing to this knowledge, Paul's energy body was bathed in Reiki's liquid healing light. As the healing came to a close, I asked Paul to take a few deep breaths, imagining a warm, watery wave working its way through his body from head to toe. This wave spiraled and cleansed all the water held in his body, moving from the outside of the kidney into the inside and flushing through the kidney tubules. Paul also visualized this water swishing through his bladder, clearing it from anything that appeared unhealthy. Paul watched as streams of water traveled down his legs and through his feet, letting all the toxins pour out of his body through his feet and into the earth beneath you. He felt relaxed, yet invigorated after the healing. Paul had more Reiki distant healings as he felt he needed them, learned to journal, and discovered the art of mindfulness in an online community, and also found ways to nurture and heal his body after visiting a naturopath and taking an online course. While MS manifests uniquely in each of us, and our life stories are also unique, I hope that as I read this article, you heard some helpful areas of overlap to further explore. While my story is very different from Paul's and Arlene's, there are some aspects of each that were highly relatable. And I have experienced very similar sensations and surprisingly powerful healing sensations through both acupuncture and cranial sacral therapies. I hope that by listening to this episode, we all, one, understand that many experts believe there are strong ties between our emotions, lived experience, and our MS. Two, that we consider giving ourselves the gift of reflection by deeply investigating the ways we might be inflexible and inadvertently overriding our central nervous systems, leading us to overwhelm, exhaustion, and a place of illness. And three, that we remember that there are a lot of avenues for healing MS that we might not have yet considered, like Reiki, acupuncture, cranial sacral therapy, trauma recovery therapy, and more. Our next Misunderstood Flock meeting will be Saturday, March 4th. At our Flock meeting, we'll discuss the episodes released this month and spend time together celebrating recent wins and supporting one another with current MS hardships and our ongoing health goals. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom monthly to support each other and to continue our learning on the episode topics. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another, and honking our encouragement. As always, thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.